Hey everyone, before we get started on today's episode, I want to tell you about a new smartphone that we love here at Brave Parenting. It is perfect for parents and children. It has no browser, no Wi-Fi, no social media, no games, no app store, and cannot send or receive images. But it has everything your child needs. In addition to making phone calls and sending text messages, it has a calendar, camera, voice recorder, music, stopwatch, and an alarm. Gab Wireless has released their brand new phone and you are going to love it. No more worrying about whether parental controls are set up correctly. No more worrying about what apps your child is installing on their phone. And the setup is easy because this phone was designed by parents for parents. We ourselves have tested this Gab phone with our own children and we absolutely love it. Even better, it looks great too. The Gab phone is an Android-based smartphone that looks as sleek and stylish as any other smartphone on the market. Even more, the Gab phone is only $99.99. Why pay hundreds of dollars for a smartphone when you can get everything your child needs at this unbelievable price? You also don't have to worry about spotty coverage. Gab Wireless utilizes America's leading 4G LTE network for only $20 a month with no long-term contracts or commitment. Compare that to plans by other major providers, and this too is a great deal for parents looking to save money. If you are considering a smartphone for your child, you can learn more about the Gab phone by Gab Wireless at braveparenting.net slash gab. If you use our promo code BRAVE19 at checkout, you'll also receive $5 off your purchase of the Gab phone, saving you even more. Again, go to braveparenting.net slash gab, G-A-B-B, to learn more about Gab Wireless and use promo code BRAVE19 B-R-A-V-E-1-9 at checkout to receive $5 off your order. And now on to today's show. Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise children of character in our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it brave parenting because it takes courage and lots of hard work to not only keep on top of technology, but then decide how to incorporate that into your family's life. Our ultimate goal here is to keep you educated and equipped to raise those tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. Today, we're going to be focusing primarily on the video game Fortnite. We're going to go over some news regarding Fortnite, the app itself, and then later in the show, talk to the executive director of a video game addiction camp. Jumping into the news, parents sue Fortnite creators. There has been a class action lawsuit filed by a Canadian law firm on behalf of two parents who say their children have an addiction to Fortnite. The lawsuit makes the claim that Epic Games, who is the creator of Fortnite, knowingly put on the market a very addictive game which was geared toward youth. The lawsuit says that Epic Games should have warned players of the risks that they'll face by playing the game and that the game company knew that their creation was, quote, dangerously addictive. The lawsuit also states that Epic Games is using the same tactics as the creators of slot machines or other variable reward programs in order to ensure the dependence of its users and that the brain is being manipulated to always want more. They say that children are particularly vulnerable to this manipulation since their self-control system in the brain is not 
developed enough, which we do know is true. So this is a very big topic for parents today is not just Fortnite addiction, but any video game addiction. Many parents, myself included, want to try and find that balance where we do allow some video game play, but it has boundaries established around it so that children aren't becoming addicted. But as we know, if you're a parent who has allowed your child to play, sometimes they want to just bust through those boundaries. Maybe 30 minutes, an hour, two hours doesn't seem like enough. And it is often because of these variable reward systems that are built into the games that want to keep them playing. So be interesting for us all to see where this lawsuit goes. Now, in our app focus, we'll be talking about Fortnite. Now, Fortnite is an app that you can download for the phone, but you can also play Fortnite on the PC computer. You can play it on an Xbox, PlayStation, as well as Nintendo Switch. So fact number one, Fortnite is a multiplayer third-person shooting game. There's approximately 250 million Fortnite players as of March 2019. Now, the gameplay of Fortnite Battle Royale, and the Battle Royale is the most common type of play, involves up to 100 players, and they're being parachuted into a large, randomly generated map where they then land, they scan the terrain for weapons and resources, and attempt to survive to be the last person standing. In order to ensure the game's timely conclusion, the safe area of the map slowly shrinks over the course of the match, forcing players to keep moving and inevitably bringing them into contact with one another, again, to have the one remaining winner. The gameplay lasts about 20 minutes for each match. As I mentioned, all of these different devices support Fortnite, and this is a big deal because Fortnite was one of the first video games to allow inter-platform play so that someone who's at home playing on an Xbox can play alongside of their friend at another home who may be playing on a PlayStation or a Nintendo Switch, or even a PC. Fact number two, the details. V-Bucks, Battle Pass, skins, emotes, and dance moves. Now, the V-Bucks. 70% of players are spending money on Fortnite on an average of about $85. Fortnite currency is called V-Bucks. You can get about 1,000 V-Bucks for $9.99, or the more you buy, the more you can save a little bit of money. And these V-Bucks can be used to purchase certain things inside the game, which we'll go over in just a second. Every season has a battle pass. Now, the Chapter 2 Season 1, which is what just began a couple weeks ago, has its own battle pass. It costs 950 V-Bucks, which is essentially like $10. Now, Epic has done away with the old way that they did the battle pass. So if your kid plays this game, you might have noticed that there's some changes in the new Chapter 2 Season 1. Now they have Fortnite missions. It's a similar system, but rather being called week one, week two, now they have a specific theme and there's 11 challenges to complete rather than the previous seven. And there's a lot of rewards to earn through this. Now, so what kind of rewards are they earning? Now, players can earn or they can purchase with V-Bucks different characters. So this season's theme is sort of like a hero villain where each avatar has a sort of alter ego good and evil. You can also buy equipment, maybe wraps to make your guns look cool, or costumes, or skins, as they call them, different outfits, as well as dance moves. Now, the skins cost about $20 to buy, and it's important to note that the skins, the dance moves, the equipment, all of those things that you can earn through missions or that you can buy with this V-Bucks, they don't actually give you an advantage inside the game. 
They simply just look good. So it's not going to give you a better chance to win, but it's a way for kids to sort of show off that they've either spent money in the game or that they play enough that they've been able to earn these type of products. Important to note here that it's actually been kind of a hot topic about this because some kids are being bullied both inside the game and even outside where they meet in the classroom or in the school setting because they're using the quote default skin, meaning they don't have the money to buy new skins to look different than the default character. And so they're being made fun of or they're being bullied because of that. And sometimes players inside the game or that in that particular match will immediately target and go after the players who have the default skins in order to eliminate them first because they're an easy target or they seem vulnerable or maybe they're new to the game and they're just easy to take off. Fact number three, addiction. As we mentioned before, this is a big deal. Now, the game has many elements that make it very compelling to play, from the characters, the fun outfits, the dance moves, always changing weapons and landscapes and challenges. It has even been said that Fortnite is as addictive as heroin. And as we mentioned in the news, these parents were saying it was as addictive as cocaine. So these are really big drug comparisons that we're making here. A quick search on the internet about Fortnite addiction, you can find stories about a young girl who would wet herself rather than stop playing the game, or that the game has been reportedly brought up in over 200 divorce cases. There was also a story last year about the Boston Red Sox baseball pitcher who had to be pulled out of the game because of his carpal tunnel syndrome, which was reportedly caused by his Fortnite playing. Now, it's important to note that in 2018, the World Health Organization, as well as the American Psychiatric Association, declared internet gaming disorder as an addictive disorder. The studies that are backing this suggest that when individuals, such as our kids, are engrossed in internet games, certain pathways in their brains are triggering the same direct and intense way that a drug addict's brain is affected by a particular substance. The gaming prompts a neurological response that influences feelings of pleasure and reward, and the result, in the most extreme cases, is manifested as addictive behavior. So again, we're going back to these kind of intermittent rewards, the pleasure that they're receiving because the game is social and they can play with their friends and talk with their friends. There's that sense of competition. All of those factors together in the you know, right child or in the right environment can really lead to this addiction. Again, stay tuned because after this, we're going to be talking with the executive director of a summer camp for gaming addiction. Fact number four, streamers. Now, when it comes to video games, especially Fortnite, I think it's a lot like the children's book, If You Give a Pig a Pancake, because if you give them Fortnite, it seems as though they're going to want a streaming channel to go with it. And not just one streaming channel, but then they're going to want to play a lot. They're going to want money to spend in the game in order to show off on their streaming channel. And this is because there's been several famous Fortnite streamers that have become household names and really legends in the eyes of many children. Probably the most iconic is Tyler Blevins, who goes by the name Ninja. He streams about 12 hours a day and makes approximately $500,000 a month in paid subscriptions to his Twitch channel. Now, additionally, he has sponsors and endorsements that are making him even more money. Now, at 27 years old, Tyler Blevins, or Ninja, 
became the first video game player to grace the cover of ESPN magazine, really putting him in the forefront of this new esports trend where schools, colleges are creating professional video gaming teams and clubs to compete. What was interesting though, during a CNBC interview, Ninja said, targeting specifically to kids, he's aiming this answer to. You know, you can't just drop everything and focus on playing video games for a living. When he first started his gaming career, he was also working, going to college, and playing soccer. You want to make sure, he says, that you're securing your future and putting in the extra time to make this happen. And that's absolutely true. And I think that's important for us to share with our kids is video game can't be the sole thing. It can be something, but there always needs to be other work, other social engagements, and other career aspirations. Fact number five, parental controls. One of the biggest concerns about Fortnite is because of the social interaction is the voice chatting, that you could talk or communicate with people that you don't know. Well, the voice chat feature is totally optional and can be disabled on Fortnite's menu, among other features. So there are parental controls that you can set up. You can filter the mature language. You can auto-decline friend requests. So Fortnite has sort of friends that you can connect with and you can play on a squad together in a certain match. Or if someone requests to sort of be your friend, it's not the exact same as social media, but you could set this here to auto-decline external friend requests. You could also hide your name from non-squad members. You could hide non-squad member names. Again, you could disable that voice chat. You can also disable the text chat. And you can also receive weekly playtime reports. Now, also a good idea is to add parental controls to the console itself or the device itself that they're playing on, whether that be the phone or if it's the Xbox, there are parental controls you can set on the Xbox, the PlayStation, as well as Nintendo Switch if you're really struggling to create boundaries or time limits, or really if it's maybe a younger child and you don't want any bullying, to set those controls so that they aren't able to communicate with people that you don't know. Now the rating system, the App Store rates it as 12 plus. Google Play has no rating because Fortnite as an app is not actually on Google Play. In order to put Fortnite on an Android phone, you have to download the game directly from Epic Games Now, Fortnite itself rates itself as T for teen or 13 plus. Now, we at Brave Parenting, looking at all of this and what we've seen personally and our own children playing the game, recommend at least 12 plus. You could play it a little bit younger, but you absolutely need to be there alongside of them. We also believe that the communication should probably be turned off at the younger ages. Because this game is so popular, It's bound to be causing a lot of curiosity in younger children because they hear so many people talking about it. So playing the game with them could sort of reduce some of this curiosity, show them what it's about. And no matter what age they're playing at, there should always be boundaries associated or make it a privilege that is tied to something or some other expectation that your child knows that they have to accomplish something in order to earn that playtime or that they know that that playtime is limited. Our guest on the podcast today is Mike Jacobus. He is the executive director and founder of Reset Summer Camp out of California. It is a summer camp that is geared to video game addiction, as well as social media obsession, or just generalized internet and streaming video overusage. What I love about his camps 
is that not only do they deal with the screen time issues, they're also teaching them life skills. The demand for his camps have increased so much that the next summer they'll be offering camps for children as young as eight years old, all the way to young adults at 26 years old. What a great resource. I'm so excited to introduce Mike Jacobus to the show. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're so excited. So in your summer camp that that you lead is for kids who are kind of having maybe a gaming addictions or unhealthy obsessions with the screen. What kind of results are you seeing from your campers that are coming in? What kind of maybe symptoms are they coming in with? What kind of reactions do they have when they get to camp? And how are they leaving camp? Well, um, that's a very broad question, and I'll give you as much information as I can. We've noticed that um, the kids who come to camp kind of break down into three categories. The gamers, so the online gaming like Fortnite and League of Legends and stuff like that. Uh, What we call the streamers, which are the people that are watching constant content, be it Netflix, YouTube, Twitch, you know, really, or porn, you know, whatever they're just doing, they're just in front of a screen all the time, sucking in information. And then we have sort of the Instagram wannabes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those are lean to be more female, but not exclusively female. But, um, you know, we describe them very often, unfortunately, as over-sexualized. They're wearing too much makeup, not enough clothing. Their entire self-worth is tied to how many likes they get and how quickly and if they got more than their friends and things like that. So it's, it's sort of an overall online screen obsession issue that we deal with. Totally understandable. That pretty much does sum up what we would think of a teenager or a young person really involved in their screen. And they're coming in, obviously, probably not thrilled to be there, but you're giving them counseling as well as life skills. And how is it when when they leave? that they change? Are they ready to make kind of a, a new recommitment with their screen? Yes. And I, the recommitment is a good word to use. We, we call it uh, reintegration in the fourth week. Our program is primarily four weeks long, although we're building a shorter program for younger kids right now. And by the fourth week, when we begin reintegrating and talking with our clinical staff and our campers about healthy self-moderation in terms of time online or time on a game versus social interaction with real life humans and their family and their classmates and their teachers and things like that, they really start to get a sense of what they've been doing, time they've wasted, uh, maturity that might not be up to their age level or their grade level, depending on how much screen time they've been doing. And a lot of what we do integrates the parents. We have a full family workshop weekend at the end with the parents. And w- this is on top of all the information we we send to them prior to and during camp to start changing their habits and their situation at home. So when camp's over, you know, we actually tell the parents, we've been treating your kids with responsibility and held it, held them to standards and expectations. And in short, we have adulted your child. Keep doing that when you take your child home. Because mm-hmm. a lot of parents just want to you know, reward their kid for doing the camp so well. And then you can have a whole weekend of Fortnite. And then you can go to Disneyland. And then you can do something else. And I'll, I'll say, don't do that. Your kids now are mature you know, adults or mini adults. They know how to cook because we do a culinary program. They know how to do their own laundry because that's part of our program as well. Keep doing that. Keep that. Keep them on that course. Yeah. So bringing up this idea of parents, you know, let's go back for obviously before they get to the camp, something's happening at home. And so 
us as parents, you know, we're trying the best that we can. So many of us are struggling in this screen time debate. Are we the ones who ultimately are to blame for allowing our kids? Like a lot of parents just think, well, this is the way that it is. They have to be tech savvy. And so they allow it and then it becomes a beast. Is it more us to blame? Well, I hear the words blame and shame and embarrassment all the time. And a a lot of conversations I have with parents will start kind of two ways. I'll say whatever you're stressing out about that happened as of yesterday or before, don't worry about it because it's already happened. It already exists. You can't do anything about it. And then I'll also tell them to give themselves a little bit of grace because a lot of parents are humiliated and, like I said, embarrassed and don't even want to talk about this kind of problem. I will share with them, especially when I do talks in front of parent groups, I'll actually show them on on a PowerPoint slide a a nice calm port with a a fishing boat that's just sitting on beautifully calm water. And I'll say, this is what my parents had to deal with when I was playing pinball and Pac-Man and Space Invaders. That gives you a clue of how old I am. And then I'll show them the final scene to that Perfect Storm movie with George Clooney and the giant tidal wave with this tiny little fishing boat that's about to go upside down and everyone dies. And I'll say, this is what you have to deal with in today's world, because there are 24-7 companies that are flooding your child's devices and your devices. I mean, I include the parents responsibility-wise when we have these conversations, because I'll say you can't get mad at being at your kid for being on their phone at the dinner table if you're on yours. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I try to steer away from the word blame because who cares? How did we get here? Yeah, when a friend of mine said that, you know, if you give your kid an iPad in the stroller and that's the babysitter, don't be upset when your kid falls in love with the babysitter at 14. (laughs) And and I think that's a really good point because it is very easy. You know, my parents didn't have iPads to keep me quiet. I had to play with Legos and Lincoln Logs and I had to make my own. You know, we teach healthy boredom at camp and boredom's an okay thing. Right. Right. So obviously we live in this screen world. So we're trying to adapt. Um, as parents, as students, as young people as well. So we usually uh, approach it, you know, for Brave Parenting is that as long as you're co-viewing a lot of these type of games, kind of know what they're on, on social media, you know that their maturity is able to handle that, um, then that can be a good thing because it's going to surround them. Would you agree with that topic? I mean, or some parents just say a complete ban. Well, I know parents that do both. It, to me, it all boils down to family connection and communication. I gave a talk not too long ago about the dangers of social media. And one of the last things I said when I was done with that talk is as soon as I'm done talking and we all get in our cars and leave, everything I said will be obsolete because there's 15 new social media platforms that are being written while we're standing here talking. So part of the giving yourself grace as a parent is you will never keep up with what is being built to bombard your kids. So it's not about the thing or the device or the game or, you know, the the specific thing. It's about the communication and relationship you have interpersonal in your family and with your children. Absolutely. So today we're specifically talking about Fortnite. It's a game that's gaining a lot of attention. Um, A lot of parents feel like it's like the bane of their existence. The happiest day was uh, last week when it went, you know, black hole for for right. 24 hours and their kids couldn't play. You know, I hear lots of this. So as we you know, talk about Fortnite, would you recommend, you know, for parents? Yes, we absolutely believe in the communication, the relationship. It's such the core that when it comes to video games, it is a privilege. Um, would you recommend parents tie those privileges to other things such as getting chores done, those life skills, achieving 
passing grades or A's or whatever that standard is in their home? Well, I'm going to say a tentative, absolutely. And I mean that because the other things you just mentioned are family interactive activities. You know, I'll tell parents, anything you're doing at home, your kid can do with you. If you have a five-year-old, you can, you can have them press the start button on the washing machine. They can be engaged in emptying a dishwasher, no matter how young they are. So as long as you're building the family connection, you know, I work with families that ban it entirely. And then I work with some families that play the game with the kids. Right. And a lot of people, one of the first questions people ask me is how many hours, you know, is two hours a day? One hour, you know, is there a time limit? And there is no magic wand time limit. My answer to that question is always tell me about your kid. Because I know kids that play it for fun, play two or three rounds, turn it off, and then go ride their bike. That's not an unhealthy use of that game. I know some kids that start playing it and will play it all night long, and and 7 o'clock in the morning, they're still playing. That's ridiculously unhealthy. Yeah. So it all depends on the kid. And is the kid being left alone? You know, one thing I say to parents all the time is, what is the thing we covet the most at home? And if I'm doing a PowerPoint presentation, I, I move the slide that says the word quiet. And I'm like, we love it quiet because we're parents and it's exhausting. Right. But when your kid's down the hall with the door closed and the earphones on and you tell yourself he's doing his homework, he's not. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all about the communication and the mutual respect within the house. And I, the reason I said tentative is because a lot of parents just go total uh, authoritarian because I said so, because I'm the parent. Right. And all that does is tend to push your kid's respect for you down and and push him towards getting a burner phone or doing things on his friend's account or, or doing things you don't want. You want your kid to tell you what they're seeing. Exactly. If they get some creepy message from somebody on an Instagram board or something, you want that communication wide, wide open. Right. One last question I kind of have for you regarding this, especially Fortnite, as they had the Fortnite World Cup this past summer, and it was such a big news. We have a lot of parents who approach us here at Brave Parenting and ask that question of, you know, is it okay to let my child um, want to be a professional gamer? They say that they're uh, building this the stream and the subscribers. Is this okay? Is it good? Because they're hearing, you know, from high school starting esport teams and colleges are now offering scholarships to be on their esport team. And so they feel like this viable career for them. How do you feel about that? Well, I love that you use the phrase viable career because it is not. <laughs> um, it's, it's exciting. It's interesting. I, as a parent myself, think it's horrible that esports is even a thing, much less people are getting scholarships for it. One of the greatest things that happens at camp, either in a therapeutic setting or just in the camp setting, is when the light bulb or the aha moment goes on. Because we share with these kids that of all the kids that think they're going to be professional YouTubers, professional esport people like that, even if they succeed and the chance of succeeding is like, 1% of what the chance of a high school football player making it to the NFL is. There are millions of kids that are training, if you use that word, to knock them off. So the the glory will be incredibly fleeting if they do go down that road and they still can't do their laundry. They still don't have any social skills. They flunked out of school. They have nothing to fall back on. I had a conversation the other day with somebody about an NFL career. And if you go to college uh, on a scholastic scholarship or an athletic scholarship for uh, like football, you're still required to take those classes. You still leave with a degree mm-hmm. that when your football career is over, and they tell you in, in those situations, if you get hurt, like your knee blows out and your career's over, your career's over. So you have something to fall back on. Professional gamers and esports athletes 
and that word cracks me up, uh, have nothing, have nothing to fall back on. Right. And when these kids realize that they're really just cogs in the machine, you know, the people that are paying the scholarships aren't the universities. It's the universities getting money from soda companies and uh, energy drink companies and things like that because it's good entertainment. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you realize that you are the entertainment, not the rock star, you're just a piece of the show, then maybe you start looking somewhere else and choosing another career. So really, yeah, that's where parents, I think, really need to kind of evaluate that and, and draw those healthy boundary lines and continue to draw them, making sure that they're pursuing other aspects. Maybe, you know, maybe gaming is a really good thing and they can have fun and meet new people in that avenue, but they always have to have a backup because it is a fleeting type of fame. I don't think many people are going to elevate themselves to the level of Ninja who's making, you know, millions of dollars. Well, and it's funny you bring up Ninja because we posted information at camp about last summer's Fortnite World Championship. The kid who won made so many million dollars and then there were a hundred and something other kids that also made money. Ninja wasn't on the list. He made zero. He won nothing. And this is the kid they all look up to. And we posted it at camp because I wrote 39 million plus other kids have to do their laundry. So let's go do yours. Yeah. <laughs> because the life skill doesn't, the need for the life skill and the socialization doesn't change. Right. Absolutely. I think it's great. I love what you're doing, incorporating a little bit of screen detox along with those life skills. What a fantastic resource that you're providing. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here and answering some of these questions, giving parents really a a brave view of how to to look at screen time as well as really be involved as parents, following up on what they're involved in on the screen along with their friends, really staying involved and keeping those lines of communication open. Well, it was my pleasure. And, And like you said, the communication lines have to stay open between themselves and their kids and the other families in their kids' network. Thank you so much to Michael for being on the show. I sure hope that you were able to glean some insight information. I love how, you know, we as parents don't have to be ashamed that our child may have fallen into maybe a video game addiction or some sort of obsession, but we really can be brave, keep going forward, doing the right thing, setting the boundaries, doing what we need to do. And knowing that there are resources like Reset Summer Camp out there is fantastic to know. If you want to learn more about Reset Summer Camp, you can find them online at ResetSummerCamp.com, also on Facebook at Reset Summer Camp. That brings us to the end of this episode. If you missed anything in the show or you want to learn more, or if you have a story to share about Fortnite, either good or bad, a way that your child has found to use it for good, or if your child has fallen into obsession, maybe how you've dealt with that, we would sure love to hear that you can send us an email at podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look at how you can build strong character using the technology that kids love, you can pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. And hey, don't forget to subscribe. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes, Google, or whatever your podcast platform is, we appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media, And every child needs a parent brave enough to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave.